0: Welcome to the Sydney Ideas podcast series. Sydney Ideas
1: is the University of Sydney's public events program, providing you with the opportunity to hear leading thinkers from our university and around the world. Enjoy the podcast.
0: Welcome to this celebration of uh, women and girls in science. I have to say it's a wonderful room. Uh, I have been in such a warm room for quite a while this Hi to one another. Uh, someone coming over and saying, my mum's group's here, and my <laughs> students here, it's fantastic. And this is a celebration today. Hopefully you're going to feel inspired by some of the stories that you hear, and we'll also hopefully be able to argue with a few practical tools to help help you steer your careers through this uh, world of STEM as women. Uh, and if you have time, we will take some questions towards the end, but I'm not for the that we're pretty tight at the time. So let's meet our panel, and going left to right, uh, beside me, Christine Adler, who is a research fellow. She was awarded the 2019 Senior Research Accelerator School Fellowship. Uh, She's a lecturer in the School of Dentistry. Her research focuses on understanding how the oral microbiome evolves from the stage of health to the current stage of highly uh, infection and disease. Christina completed her undergraduate degree with honours at the University of Sydney. She was awarded the McElroy Prize and the University Medal. She also did a PhD at the University of Adelaide where she won the Doctoral Research Medal. of am feeling intimidated already. Welcome, Christina. Professor <laughs> Nadia um, Balawi is an internationally recognised uh, neo- neonatologist with extensive experience working in the field of cerebral palsy and newborn brain conditions. Nadia is, um, in the is the Macquarie Group Foundation Professor and Chair of Cerebral Palsy in the University of Sydney School of Medicine's Discipline of Child and Adolescent Health, as well as Medical Director of the Grace Centre for Newborn Care at the Children's Hospital. She was selected as one of uh, 100 Australian women of influences uh, of influence, and one of Australia's most highly respected researchers in the NH and ARC publication, working to build a healthy Australia. Australian research that is changing the world. Nadia, welcome. Professor Jane Garton is the Chair of Medicine at the University of Sydney Westmead Clinical School and head of the Discipline of Medicine at the University of Sydney. Her research interests include diabetes, obesity, and vitamin D, with a particular interest in the intersection of transcription factors and their regulation by nutrients. Jane was the inaugural chair of the Workplace Equity Committee at the Garmin Institute and contributes to the current benchmarking efforts at the West Institute for Medical Research. And she continues to uh, uh, um, to advocate for adequate childcare <laughs> and holiday care facilities the Western project. Um, you
1: can have a round of for that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't succeeded yet. <laughs>
0: That involves treating severe stagocompli infections using bacteriophage therapy. She has research and industry track record of over $5 million in brand funding. Her research focuses on transcriptomics and metatranscriptomics <laughs> in disease models. Uh, Ruby is heavily involved in promoting gender balance and women in STEM throughout the Australasian Genomic Technologies Association. She mentors honours, PhD, and postdoctoral researches. Uh, Professor Bill Robinson, our token man, <laughs> 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 is the head of signaling unit and co director of ProPan at the Children's Medical Research Institute, where he leads a team of 23 scientists, postdocs, and grad students, so an important role in mentoring. Phil is also a professor of medicine at the University of the City of Newcastle and one of only 70 Australian scientists, holding a senior principal research fellowship from the NHMRC. He's co-chair of the Gender Equity Committee, the Children's Medical Research Institute in Westmead. And finally, here's Wojciechowski, is a biomedical engineer at the Paediatric Gate Analysis Service of New South Wales uh, and the Children's Hospital here at Westmead. She's interested in improving the gait and functional ability of children with movement disorders. And she's currently enrolled in a doctorate for Westmead on personalised 3D printed ankle foot orthoses for children. Really interesting. Um, with a particular kind of disease called sharp Marie tooth um, with the engineering prototyping uh, implants for children lab. I'm telling you all of that because I think you need to know just how awesome these people are and what <laughs> they do. Um, so, round of applause for <laughs> Okay, just quickly, what drew you to your careers in the first place? What excited you about what you do? Jenny?
1: Uh, I'll start with the cynical answer. Um, I did a PhD because I'm an endocrinologist and uh, back then I needed a PhD to get a job in a teaching hospital. Um, And hilariously I got sucked in so badly I then went overseas and did a postdoctoral fellowship at Harvard for a couple of years and came back and started my own lab at the Garvin Institute and refused to apply for jobs in teaching hospitals for years. Um, until I was convinced to apply for this job here. If you reduce the science part of my job to its absolutely simplest, I get paid to think up nutty ideas and then try and figure out if they're right or not. Um, It's a wonderful privilege and occasionally what I do I can then translate into helping people who I take care of in the clinic. So it, it goes from nutty idea to the potential ability to help the people I take care of in clinic.
0: Liz, engineering is an area that's really low in female representation compared to other areas of STEM. What drew you to that? Um,
2: so I was good at maths and problem solving and quite creative when I was at school. And um, I didn't want to be just an accountant or work in an office, I wanted to do something where I could help people with medical engineering to fit the skills I'm really lucky in my career to be working in the children's hospital at Hershey, so I get to um, collect data on the way children are walking, and that helps inform um, children's treatment plans. And this neatly ties in with my research, my PhD, which is um, working on a medical device to help children walk better. So I get to work in um, an engineering lab with technologies such as 3D scanning and 3D printing, um, working on a device, which I can then Testing and out on the children, so I'm helping the children to figure out what the problems are, developing something, and then getting to evaluate that with
3: them in the hospital. Nadia, you weren't good at science, particularly, were you? You said your strength was the arts. So How did you end up studying medicine? Well, actually, I wanted to do English literature, and then I was inspired by the headmistress. I was a terrible student, really mediocre. And I got called to her office in year 10, and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm not even bad enough to get called to the headmistress office. And she said, Nadia, if you could just do a bit of work, you'd make a very good doctor. So that really set me thinking, and I loved English literature, but I did want to help people. My father had grown up in a village in Egypt, and he was very concerned for the welfare of women and babies. And there was always this idea that our lives were meant to serve other people. So the week before university started, I, instead of writing English literature, I wrote medicine, my one and only choice. And yeah, I love it. Have a look
0: back. Okay, Christina, what about you? (laughs) Why were you drawn to doing research? Um, Hold it up high. sure.
4: So I guess I, when I was doing, I kind of fell into research a little bit. Um, As I was going along in science in my undergrad, it was the one thing, I guess, as I was working sort of outside of uni as well and trying different things that I didn't want to put down. I wanted to keep doing it. And particularly when I did my honours here, um, that was something that I really realised I loved doing. I loved solving problems. And I found that it was also a combination of being creative with also that sort of maths and science side. It really is a pretty special thing you get to do in research.
0: Mm.
5: What about you, Ruby? What, what drew you to I, what you doing? I actually wanted um, to do music and it was only when my parents said, oh, you know, what about medicine? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just like that,
0: what about this?
5: Well, it's because I had a scholarship for mathematics going into first year at uni uh-huh. um, and, you know, I had 92% and my mum was like, oh, I haven't done 8%
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a very typical migrant story. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly.
5: Yeah. And then um, I think I fell into it, and um, I was quite good getting grants, so that's what
0: mm. progressed. Phil, I'm going to leave you out of this part of the conversation. I'm sure you. I often get left out.
6: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: we put <hold> on? <clears throat> you
1: know, that the theatre see it on the screen. I mean, were any of you put off going into these areas initially? I had a funny upbringing. Um, my mum was a cellist uh, for the Queensland Symphony Orchestra, so she was absent from home many evenings, and my dad did a lot of our upbringing. And then I had an all-girls high school, so when I got to university and discovered that sexism was real, um, it came as a bit of a stunning surprise. OK, so you hadn't
0: had that signalling at all. Were any of the rest of you? I mean, what about you, Liz? Were you um, put off by the idea that there weren't a lot of female engineers around? I think I was slightly. I mean, I'd tell people I'm
2: going to do engineering and they'll be like, Oh isn't that something to do with bridges or uh,
6: buildings?
2: <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, there's a bit more to that. And a few of the comments I got were like, that's going to be hard. And I'm not sure if I'd be the male, but I wouldn't necessarily have got that comment. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Anyone else? Are sort themselves of either discouraged, actively discouraged from doing
3: yes. it. Yes, I mean I think my parents were very strong feminists. So, but but I think what the problem was that my mother thought it was the end of my life as we knew it. So she <laughs> screamed when she heard I'd written medicine. Really? So for three years she spent saying, "Could you do a real degree? It's just a trade, you know." <laughs> wow. And okay. You'll never have children. You'll never marry. Life will be awful. <laughs>
0: supportive mother. I mean, did that affect you? Do-
3: no, not at all. She was so sort of supportive <laughs> in other ways, a bit of a challenge. I, I wonder sometimes whether she was actually pushing me into it. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, she <laughs> recognized that psychology. psychology <laughs> react react that way. Um, we looked at the stats earlier. Yeah. I think what people here are gonna to want to know is how you've all navigated your way through this world and you know where the biggest challenges and obstacles have been, and how you've dealt with them. who would like to kick off that
5: conversation. Oh, maybe I can start. I think um, what made me aware of you know gender bias and things like that was after I had kids. When I was a young postdoc, you know, I was working late, and you know everything was fine. I go to after-hour drinks and things like that. But as soon as I had kids, things changed, and you know meetings were scheduled you know it's not family friendly so you know i missed out a lot of decision making because of that kind of things um and yeah you know i I think people should be aware of that and make meetings that family you know people with family commitments can attend so
0: that was when you feel really hit the
5: Mm. obstacles
0: what about the rest of you
1: i um got reviews for a first-author cell paper two days before I went into labour with my first son, and uh, a two-month turnaround to get the paper back. Now, my husband, we were overseas in Boston, and my husband wasn't working. And I went back to work very, very, very part-time, three and a half weeks after my son was born. And I got a lot of comments about this. But if you can't leave your son with an emergency specialist, who happens to be your husband... (laughs) But I was still getting flack about this. So,
0: how did you deal with the flack?
1: Well, I said to people, you know, my husband is an emergency specialist. Do you want to tell me but he's not incompetent? He
0: will have a husband who's well, e- even, As a, as a kind of way of dealing with But it.
1: even with that, people clearly thought that I was being wildly inappropriate. So, are you
0: talking about people within your profession or people outside? Yeah. People within your profession
1: judging Both. you? Both. Um, so so it was it was really an astonishing thing and then there was no facility at work to collect milk for the baby and so I had to have a discussion with them about this. I said you know a broom cupboard with a light will do. I can I can make do with that. Preferably a chair and a PowerPoint would be even better but uh, I can make do with a broom cupboard and they went nope. And I said, no, no, really, this is necessary. This is needed. And they went, nope. And I went, look, you're discriminating against women who wish to breastfeed their children when they return to work. And they said, discrimination. And I went, well, yes. They went, we'll have something this afternoon. (laughs) 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 And and they had a booking sheet that I put on a laminated piece of paper. And 24 hours later, it was fully booked Hmm. every day. So they came up with another room a week later. So there were two rooms
0: within a week. Yeah, the they
1: just had no idea it was necessary. Mm-hmm. And so it get... stepping
0: up in yeah. a sense to, to over those
5: things. And yes. did, you, did you do a similar thing, like stepping up? Actually, funny, um, Jenny's mentioned that I actually had a nature paper when I was in cesarean <laughs> um, operation um, and one of, of the... When you were in the operation. Yeah, well I got the text message, my husband was check, checking the <laughs> text <laughs> so that's how committed we are. Yeah,
1: um,
5: yeah. but I
0: mean, these things—you know—we laugh about these things. But I mean, people—you know—a lot of people just think, just hit a, a situation like that and think, "I can't do this. I've just got to walk away." And I mean, it's a valid choice yes. for some women yes. to just Absolutely. walk away. But for the ones who don't want to walk away, I think what people want to know is kind of, "Well, when you're." In that
5: what do you do? How do you push forward? How do you manage your career? Um, well, I try to implement encouraging um, female with family commitments back to work. So at conference meetings, we would have quiet rooms so they can actually breastfeed their kids or bring the kids to the conference. And there will be you know um, video conferencing so they can listen to the talk at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, Giving out travel awards as well yes. um, that would help them. Mm. What
0: about other obstacles
3: yeah, you've had? Yeah, I mean, I had similar when I was doing my PhD, but I would always found very good mentors. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky, I you know, did my PhD with Fiona Stanley, and the first thing she said was, Bring your baby with you. Yes. We'll cope. And they all took her out when they were going for coffees we did start a breastfeeding yes. room in the toilets but that was fine and yes. it was about surrounding yourself and there were there were a couple of people who said that's not appropriate and all the others turned when you if you can get enough allies you find them you show it matters yes, yes. people are more often wanting to help i, I do believe that but it, and now things are totally different where i did my phd but uh, I do think you have to advocate for yourself and find others who will support a- and you, men and women. Yes, yes. and that yeah. is the
1: key point. You yeah. have to ask.
3: Have to ask. Yes. So women had this... And not this be embarrassed. Yes. I think we tend to be embarrassed at shaming. Oh, yes. my God, we're yes. see. Oh, is that what they're for? You know? Yes. <laughs> so, <yeah>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Wimmer had a policy
1: <laughs> when I moved here, when it wasn't really my personal problem anymore, that you weren't allowed to have children yeah. in the building except to leave them down in the cafeteria. Now I have to say that putting my child in my office with an iPad for electric sedation is safer Um. than leaving them downstairs in the cafeteria. Mm -hmm. There are knives and glasses down there. Mm -hmm. My office doesn't have those things. And so over time we've discussed this and they've gone through the OH&S principles and they've changed the rule. But if you don't ask, And you have to ask calmly and politely and, you know, figure yeah. out what the obstacles are and mow yeah. them down one by one. But it still concerns me... But you must me. ask.
3: Yeah, but it concerns me, too, that doctors, female doctors, will be more able to bring their children to work. It's still very hard for our nursing staff...
1: Yes. ..who mm-hmm. are predominantly women. Because So we've child care. some wins,
3: but not... Uh, the still hierarchical within women's sort of... Yes.
0: it's mm-hmm. yes. interesting that we've jumped to children, to, to the moment where you have children being yeah. a key thing, yeah. but yes, I'm interested in talking, because you don't have kids, right? No. I don't okay, know. so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in that your that experience as well, in terms of how you've navigated the world through this, oh, you went yeah. through this very male world mm. of engineering, and where you've seen issues around gender
2: inequality. Um, so I think it's not really in my everyday today role, but I am. Um, where I find where there's some gender equality of finding females what's style to be like, although I'm surrounding by quite a few today. Um, and one of the conferences that I recently went to, all the keynote speakers were for men. Um, and a lot of the questions that were being asked by the audience were for men as well. And that can be quite intimidating, um, not seeing females up there talking and things. So, there's the things that I'm finding where it's a bit of a And what did you, did you you took some action, didn't you, at one of the conferences, What did you organise? Um, so at the, the conference, the last president of the society, she's a female, she organised a breakfast session for the women, so that we could get together and discuss these sort of issues that were happening at this conference, and how we might be able to support each other in getting more females to come to the podium and talking.
0: Mm-hmm. And Christina, what about you? What are, what are the main obstacles you've
4: I just wanted to quickly comment on about navigating. Um, I think I guess the other side of it is for males to feel comfortable to ask these things. So I've really seen it in... When I came back from maternity leave, my husband and I both do four days. But the only reason he could ask to do that was he was in a female-dominant workplace and nearly everybody's (laughs) part-time. So so he felt he could ask to do that. But that's really been what's helped my career, is that my husband can take a big part of the load. And without that, I find... I don't know how women do it who do seem to, you know, have to Mm. take that complete load. But I guess it
0: requires workplaces to be friendly (laughs) enough for males to do that as well. Mm -hmm. What about the things specific to STEM? Are there things specific to STEM? though? I mean, a lot of those issues could be replicated around the workplace in any field, are there particular things you've navigated well in the STEM world that are, that are very much a part of the culture?
3: I mean, I do, it's hard when we have great male colleagues here, but the issue of harassment when you're, particularly a young trainee, they are very real, in medicine in particular, and you do need to have strategies which you share. Mm-hmm. So I'm, one of things my father said, when you get harassed, <laughs> have a sense of humor. Don't belittle, don't emasculate. It's also people scared of change. Okay. And I think those little tricks that yeah. we get to share yeah. and are important. So people aren't, I've seen careers ruined because of interactions that went wrong. And I think it's, we have to have safe places for people mm-hmm. to talk about them. And it does happen to young men, but women are the predominant recipients mm-hmm. of it.
0: Anyone else talk about how to deal with that? Like how to, how to actually manage... I agree,
1: and, and it's a very fine line to walk, but if yeah. you can um, calmly and actively discourage these people without losing your temper and deliberately squashing or humiliating them, you're much less likely to end up with um, a punitive response. Yeah. And when you are the junior, these people often do have that position of power. And while you don't ever wish to enable that kind of behaviour to continue, you also don't want to be squashed.
0: Phil, what are you think?
6: Oh, can I just add that... Uh, the, I'll talk a bit about mentoring later on, but. One of the things that I observe is that women can navigate this, these challenges much better than men. They deal <laughs> with it far better. They're far calmer, they're more relaxed, because they're less confrontational, as we, we, we know, if you gen- want to generalize. And um, I think that's extremely important, that they then have an escape route, exactly as Nadia said. Who can they talk to? Where can they turn? And this is really important. And that's what's been changing slowly over the last 30 years. And I think he's having an impact. Because there are times you
0: have just got to call it out. Oh yes. I yep. mean, just got to go and go hard, yes. and that's stop it out. Yes. Yeah. But it
1: it depends yes. what it is, and if it's just someone asking you out slightly inappropriately, then you would, and that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, drunken marriage proposals in the emergency department are pretty common. Um, I never get those.
3: No, but I learned a very interesting, when I was a young registrar, this was a very very tall uh, fellow, and he kept every time. And this was we've all suffered from it. I'd end up being touched, and it drove me nuts. Right, and then one day I don't know, I got a brainwave, and he was about far. He was nearly a meter taller than I was. And I just stood on tiptoe and put my hand on his shoulder and never touched me again. And I realised it was a lot about control as well. And, you know, sometimes little things we can teach are very important. It's not okay to be touched all the time at work, but how do you do it without being aggressive and ruining what is actually a good relationship otherwise?
0: How have you gone through that scissor diagram that we saw that those of you who've in senior positions
5: how have, you, how have you managed to get past that pattern? I think Nadia touched on it. It's having a supportive network. You know, I think our partners are supportive, but at the same time we have mentors that guide us through the this landscape. Um, and it's very important to have that network um, and mentors that can actually promote you, um, especially protect you from politics. Um, it places and you know, we all know it does exist. Um, and you know, when you go to conference they say, hey, come and meet specific, you know, famous scientists, and you know, through that, you can build your collaborations and things so like you, that. So, you actively seek out yes. senior you do. people, yeah, I do to, to mentor you, yeah. when you go to
0: conferences and things yeah. like that. Yeah, and and what about modelling your careers? You know, what
3: have you looked to to model your career?
1: There is no pathway. It
3: depends on the stage you're at. So uh, you find different attributes, and they're not all in health. Some of the best models have been outside of health. But I must admit, I'm a very bad example. I'm, you know, I have drifted people. I never applied for a job, really. I was always pushed by someone else, and I think it's part of being a woman. I actually think I lacked, and just probably still lack, the confidence to accept failure. So I think even, I don't want you to think that, uh, you know, that we don't want to be a facade also giving out false yes. hope that yes. if I had not had incredibly strong mentors and sponsors, I probably wouldn't have mm. promoted
1: where I am. In my role with the discipline of medicine for the university, I reviewed most of the promotion applications for um, associate professor and professor here. And I think it's fair to say that most of the women are pushed <laughs> and they could have applied earlier.
0: Okay, so how do you address that? How, you know, what can women do for themselves in terms of making
1: well, that path? They don't get to me until they're already um, applying for the associate professor promotion but I will usually go through that with them and say, yes, do this, do this, and that will sort out this level. And in three years' time, you'll be eligible to apply for the professorial promotion. And these are the maybe two small things that you would need to be eligible for that one. And I look forward to that (laughs) when it will come up. So but you need to encourage them to do it. As you say, you yeah. don't want to look like an idiot when you turn up and say, I'd like to put this forward and have someone go, ah, no. <laughs> we but, just don't do that. a
0: lot of women just don't, and aren't encouraged yes. to, yeah. to think that way.
6: Yes. But this is where men come in, as well as women. And Jenny's spot mm-hmm. on. So through Sydney Uni, through um, committees, we've actually set up a specific program to help women get through that, to um, pair them up with people in a committee, a whole panel of people who have been through this process to encourage them to say, look, we, we as a group think you're not ready, or you've been ready for five years. Where's your application? Why hasn't it gone mm-hmm. through? Then review the applications with them. These processes have begun at Sydney Uni in the last couple of years, and they're very, very powerful. And following the numbers, following the statistics, we can see it's having an impact on the number of women in higher level appointments at just in medicine at Sydney University. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's getting the whole team, getting everybody engaged around you and letting people know where to go to get that help is the most important thing.
4: Oh, so um, last year, I, oh no, the year before now, I took part in a, it was a Level B mentor program, yeah. and it was incredible. These women had been you know, on Level B for like 20 years or something, I guess, and then they were doing all these amazing things, and so this was from across uni. And yet, didn't know how to, or didn't know those tools to sell it basically, what it came down to to get through to that level C and keep going. And so, I think the uni has been quite good about providing some of those sort of programs, which I think it did a bigger number last year after that. Because, yeah, often it is just tools that you require to help to know what language to use and things like that to kind of jump through the next hoop.
1: Yes, Liz,
4: do you use any of this? Have you got a mentor?
2: Um, yes, I do have a mentor, and that's probably quite useful in seeing things about like time management and stuff, but also talking about career things and what's going to happen after PhD and
0: stuff like that. So, mm. And what do you think is going to happen after PhD? Like, What's
3: your
0: kind of vision of your future in engineering? Um, so I'd like
2: to yeah, continue research, and I really like to stay where I am, so I'm looking forward uh, to
0: finding and thinking mm. Um. We talked a little bit about some of you advocating for those things, those very practical things that are needed um, in workplaces, in all workplaces, actually. Um, But let's just talk a little bit more about what women in STEM can do to help themselves, to push themselves
5: forward beyond mentoring. Have have you got thoughts about that? Ruby? Um, Yeah, if I may start. I think not having a fixed mindset really helps because everyone is trained to go, okay, if you do PhD, then you do postdoc, and then you're a junior postdoc, then you do senior postdoc. And so you go through that track. And NH- 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 NHMRC traditionally has been you know, you get a fellowship, Peter Doherty, then you get a CDA, etc. Um, for me, from my experiences, you need other experience to, to, to make it more. Um, how do you say it to make it more um, make you more employable? So, for instance, I, I had industry experience as well, and it wasn't because you know I couldn't get a job in research. It's like you know having a different experience, um, and that will actually become more fulfilling because it not only um, spread your network, but it actually bring a lot of skill set into what you can apply in the current your in my current job.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you think the scientific community misses out on if there isn't gender equality at a senior level? What, what do you think it
3: loses by not having representation well, think, at that level? I think information about half the population is one thing. <laughs> and also, it's not just uh, gender. I also think it's about diversity yes. always. I yes. really feel very strongly about it. And we miss out on a whole lot of talented people. It just lessens everyone's. And our community deserves to have people like themselves doing the work. They don't want to go in and see a whole lot of people who are completely different. Don't understand the problems. I think you become more nimble when there's a problem. You can fix it more likely. You're just more Mm. successful. Christina,
4: you talked about different ways
0: of working.
4: Um, um, I guess I think that we've had a few now senior female leaders, uh, particularly in our granting bodies, so how we fund research, and I feel like, I don't know if it's because they're a female, but I feel like there's changes yeah. to how research is going to be funded, and I guess in the UK, yeah. it's definitely happened with um, the, uh, what we have Swan, a sage, with the Anthea Swan yeah. um, Awards for Gender Equality, where you just can't receive funding from the National Institute of um, Their Health if you don't have, you know, you don't reach a certain level of gender diversity at your institution. And so I think that brings just a different way in which we're approaching work generally if we have that as an underlying basis to if you're going to be awarded research funds. Mm-hmm. Not that we're there yet in Australia, but we're heading that way I guess with the SAGE um, movement.
0: Mm-hmm. Phil, what do you think is misstallical?
6: There's <laughs> a lot of practical things. You, as Nadia said, you only got half the people in the room. When you listen to the ideas, uh, uh, the ideas can come from anywhere. They don't just come from men. So you're missing out half of the ideas and development. These issues are not specific to STEM. They're exactly the same in industry and in business and in government and in politics. Let's not go there. It's, it's no different in seniority. And it really starts when the scissors start at the reproductive age. There is so much that you miss out on. Uh, there's also wastage. Uh, just think of the time, education, and what, they, what women are contributing to society. By the time they reach this stage of near seniority, near the top, yeah. and then are forced out, stopped. It's just a waste of yeah. Australia's resources. It's a waste of that person's life, um, unless they find another direction. There's an awful lot of wastage. So, what do you think can be done practically to change things for the women in this room to make
0: it more, you know? to to eliminate some of those obstacles? What do you think are the things that need
6: to change? There's a lot of answers to that question, and it comes from inclusivity. It comes from um, mentoring. It comes from having women know where to go and who to ask. It comes from having women know that there's a supportive environment and they just need to speak up. So I can give an example, and it wasn't this university, um, luckily, um, a woman who came to our gender committee meeting, to in, we invited her to speak, to talk about her experience. And she let go in a little trusting crowd and she talked about um, inappropriate behaviour from, from a supervisor, a professor, a leading professor. Um, she was, felt so much better just talking about it, so we encouraged her to go one step further. She did go one step further, eventually it got to the dean of that university. That professor was not just moved to another floor, but moved out. So things happen when women step forward and step into the challenge of look, not not. She didn't just call it out. She went through a process, and there are people that she could speak to to bring that but out. But that's really
0: interesting because that's about having trusted people yeah. who you can go to. But and it started small. It
6: Started things. really small and built up, and she found a network. Of support of yeah. people who understood that's all it took yeah. and were, that committee was you know, nearly as many men as women so it's mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not always gendered it needs a leadership that will and the the, dean of, the head of the university of course was male so it, it needs a leadership that recognizes there's a problem it's very much like Jenny did um, pointed out that's what's changing mm-hmm. is our leadership is beginning to take on the challenges of closing the scissors
0: what needs to change?
6: do
1: you think, in this area? More asking? More (coughs) asking? Um, I think the vast majority of the um, still existing (coughs) discrimination is non-thoughtful, non-deliberate. And so if Mm -hmm. you point it out to the people who are still Mm -hmm. not thinking through and inviting men only as the conference mm. plenary speakers, oh, I'll go. Oh, oh yes, let's <laughs> yeah, let's invite yeah, this yeah. woman. She's awesome. Mm. I find
0: that too. I do. Yeah. I do quite a few conferences. I'll get the list and you yeah. know get straight on the phone. Yeah. yeah.
1: And there no and, and if you say yeah. I can't go to this, it's at six p.m. I have to get the kids. They'll go. hm, How about three? Mm-hmm. And some there are some people who are inflexible and have no interest in helping out. But the vast majority of people, mm-hmm. if you ask politely and calmly, will attempt to help mm-hmm. you out. They probably can't help you with this week's meeting, but a little bit down the line, mm-hmm. they will try and help you.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Christina, you're keen on closures.
4: Uh, I guess I just think overall, though, we need big structural change and. I just don't think I feel like I found I didn't know this until I became an academic I wasn't aware of it mm-hmm. and even that's going through uni and I just feel like it needs to get enforced that change and so I feel like quotas are something mm-hmm. that in I'm not saying quotas um, for every single tiny thing but I think for big things it does work and I think Places like the NHMRC use them really well for our funding panel bodies, and like, there's you know good representation that way, and that sort of feeds into then how our funding is coming through. But I think the uni could do more of those type of things as well, yeah, just to force.
0: Mm-hmm. Liz, can I ask you what you think
4: um, needs to change?
0: change? I think
4: um,
2: just basically yeah, what everyone's been saying, to ask more and be a bit more confident. Um, things like quite your sound are like a really good idea. <coughs>
1: I'd, I'd like to point out that the MRC don't fund women equally. Yes, they don't. They don't at all. They may have equal numbers of women yeah. on the panel, but in fact the yeah. um, minister very quietly gave out 17 extra grants to women the year before last to bring the women up to not the same as men yes. still, but not disastrously mm-hmm. less.
3: Because a lot of women we buy into the whole thing anyway, <coughs> just assuming, you know, misogyny, yeah, if we ever right. call it that, we all practice it because it's part of our culture mm.
1: some women discriminate too
3: yes that's exactly
0: yeah. Ruby what do you think
5: needs to change um more working flexibility so you know just touch on what Phil said you yeah, know there's a lot of wasted talent um my mother's group are here um a lot of mums they are very talented um but because of having kids you know a lot of Places don't offer part-time jobs, and it's incredible waste of talent. Um, and returning academics, I have a lot of friends that just didn't return to work because they couldn't. They weren't offered a part-time job, um, you know, to, to 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 continue there. Let's, Let's try to squeeze in a few questions. Does
0: anyone got a question they'd like to ask the panel? Here, yeah. in the middle, we get a We get a mic to And um, how do you think?
3: Can I give an example? When I was uh, finishing my PhD, there was a woman who was applying for a job in the institute I was working in, and uh, somebody said, "No, we can't give her the job. She's got less publications than blah blah blah." And when somebody pointed out it was because she had had six children, uh,
6: that, <laughs> that still would,
5: would
6: not. Save her. <laughs> Can I add to that? The um, NHMRC and granting agencies and even journals for you submit papers, they do a counting game. So the NHMRC now has sections where, where you can explain how many years you've had out, 2.1 year for um, 2.3 children, all these sorts of things. Um, but in in the end, they're still balancing up. Oh, this guy has 12 papers, this girl has six. Therefore, give it to him. Mm. So, but it's always front of mind. That's the thing that's changing. That that's what's least encouraging. It's front of mind. It's on the table. The chair interrupts, points it out. So yes. I, I believe it's not fair, it's not right at the moment, mm. but it, again, I'm encouraged, that's part of why I'm here. I'm encouraged because it's changing. Mm. But it's Phil, following. I've been on
3: panels with any,
6: I'm sorry, I've been on panels and we'd come, let's talk about the career
3: gap, and I'd be told, oh, don't waste your time. Mm. Frankly, yes. of the own, it's yes. screaming at the end, well, why, why fill it in? Why do we ask people to fill it in? It's still seen right. as, oh, it looks good on paper. Yes. Yeah.
1: And the, right. the NHMRC still add your extra papers that you get to count in this piece mm-hmm. of paper that's stuffed at the end. They could put in a little bit of extra programming into RGMS and have an automatically add into your snapshot. I've been trying to push that since Warwick Anderson was the CEO <laughs> uh, and I am still failing, but I am still trying. Yes. OK,
0: any more questions? Yes, here. Yes. This might be Big loud voice Probably it's the best thing might not be the right
6: panel
5: for this kind of question, but I also was really unaware when I was coming up through
6: undergrad of this sort of gender bias issue. Are there steps to implement these kind of you know this information for students, males and females at the undergrad? that would be your question. <laughs> That's your question, <laughs> <laughs> Sean. What's the answer? What's the answer to that? The steps are awareness. To me, it's it's the, one um, people coming through need to be aware of the. the of the challenges they face, so pay attention over here. I'm a long way ahead of you.
0: Yeah, but don't be put
6: off. Don't, don't be put off on. at all. We haven't I got to. Are doing once once <coughs> we haven't got to how bloody exciting this job is, this career is. Yeah. We're making yes. difference to health, let alone mm. the discoveries. But, but the issue. But is your
0: question more about it, how do you just get that basic information about how to a unit like academic <clears throat> Yeah.
6: There isn't anything that I'm aware of at this stage. I think that alone that's is a good idea. Good idea. Yeah? And actually that. we might take that forward. But what we've been doing is trying to put systems in place so people have places to go when they hit a wall. <laughs> and you've raised something I don't think we're prepared for at all, and that's how you warn people or educate or mm. yeah. teach them what they're going, show them what they're coming, what they've got yeah. in front of them. And that's what this women and girls in science thing all around Australia is about, in part... Mm. Better I mean, if you can steer around the wall. Yeah. Saying, I think that the, the upcoming up. men
1: have a bigger role to play, so if you can yes.
3: let yeah. them know if they're
0: coming up, maybe they see something and
3: they
0: can point mm. it out themselves.
6: Absolutely. Yes. Too many men just eye roll and it's like, it's not my problem. Or leave it to the
0: women to sort out, to try mm. and
3: sort out, mm. I and mean, that's yeah. the other response. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we should include ethnicity. I don't know, Jenny, yes, remember yes. that study that the, the Medical yes, Council yes. did in England where they sent out CVs in Caucasian names? People were offered jobs. They just changed the name to a non white name. The offers were halved. And they tried to suppress the publication. So I think it's on many fronts. Yeah. Okay. Any other
0: Probably got time for one more if there's another question, right? Oh. Um, do you believe that uh, employers in Australia still go for the patriarchal uh, kind of way in the sense that they still tend to employ uh, men because they believe that women can't take on the role uh, higher roles, and such as CEOs and uh, higher performing roles, because they tend to have to be their children at some point. Um, and as you um, explained earlier, um, as you progress in your career, and tend to take on um, you know, higher learning.
4: Obviously, at some point, you have to take on such like a broad uh, you know, and higher-paying job. But then are not employed, it's hard to find part-time and full-time work.
0: So, I would like to hear your thoughts. Mm, I guess, yeah. has, has it affected you, those of you who've had children, has that kind of thinking?
1: I um, took this job because uh, I went on holidays and came back from a holiday and had five people line up at my door on a Monday and say, you need to apply for this job. Um, And I went to the interview for the chair of medicine role and said to them, by the way, I won't be turning up at work before nine o'clock, at least three or four mornings a week, because I'm going to be doing school drop off in Lane Cove and I can't teleport to... Westmead. So um, I will need a parking spot because I'm not, a, I'm just not willing to drive around in circles. And they just looked at me rather puzzled. And I said, is it the nine o'clock? And the interview panel was sort of, mm. and I went, I think if you look at my CV, you can see that I get the work done, even if I'm not at work before nine o'clock. I have kids, I am not willing to put them in before school care because I think that's a really important thing that they have the morning with their parents Mm. and I'm not willing to give that up. But I will get the work done for this job and I will do it well, even if I'm not there before 9 o'clock. And so... uh, Do you you
0: coaching classes? (laughs)
1: And they often need the job more for them. Um, so I think in some uh, jobs and in some industries, the sad answer to your question would probably be yes. Yeah. But um, in some interview panels, you can tell them the truth like that, and hopefully your CV will say that yes, you can actually do this job and still and have a family. You
0: just need to hear a story like yeah. that yeah. to yeah. think, hmm, okay, but I Janine- that
3: could we also acknowledge i mean for me my husband is fantastic and he shared the child i think we need that's also yes. to talk to partners yes. they think you're going to be a housewife and you want to be ceo it may not work out yes. so, <laughs> you know i think having he's just been fabulous i could yes. not so have done this without a good husband
1: my um, husband has copped a lot of flack over the years cuz he works 4 10 hour days um, in the emergency department and he always um, had the kids the other day of the week. And almost every week, he would have someone tell him to get a real job. Mm -hmm. So sexism doesn't work just one way. Mm
3: -hmm. But all the males in my Mm -hmm. unit have Mm -hmm. been allowed to pick up, they also taken their lead from the women and they pick up their children and drop them off.
5: A lot of companies now realise the diversity and the role that woman has. So, you know, if you're in the interview panel, and they disregard your request for, flexi- you know, work flexibility and things like that. You don't want to be there because that work culture is not for you.
0: Mm-hmm. But again, a lot of this is about confidence. Yes. Yeah. It? It's about going in with the confidence yes. to be able to say,
1: "I can exactly do the job." What
0: you said. I yeah. can do the job, but these are the terms under which I'll do the job. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Probably a good note to leave it on. Um, thank. Could you please thank Alannah very much?